Hello, I'm Sean Finnegan, and you are listening to Restitutio, a podcast to get you thinking about biblical and historical Christianity, to challenge you to follow Christ, and to inspire you to lead a consecrated life. Robin Todd has faithfully served as the director of the Worldwide Scattered Brethren Network for the last 10 years. He helps biblical Unitarians find each other all over the United States as well as some other countries. In this interview, we talk about how he got started, what it takes to get on his list, and how he sees the future of the network. Here now is interview 41, The Scattered Brethren Network with Robin Todd. Thanks for coming on Rest Studio today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I feel like I've been promoted in the in the community here by being on your show. Let's start by just hearing a little bit about your background. Did you grow up in a Christian family, or how was your spiritual journey? I was born and raised in the Lutheran Church, got through catechism as a teenager, couldn't wait to get out of church and start living my life outside of the church environment. I couldn't have cared less about anything spiritual until I was... Um, about 28 years old, and then I became interested again in, you know, what life was all about. I started to question that, and uh, why am I here, and where's all this leading? And that happens, I guess, as you get older. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't want to just, you know, attend a church because it was in my family to do so. I wanted to attend because I, a church that taught the things that at least I felt that I saw in the Bible. So, I started digging into the Bible, you know, started reading the works of others and um, to help me. And uh, I just came to the conclusion that the Lutheran Church was not the church to be in. In fact, I couldn't find any Protestant church that was. Uh, but then I did hook up with uh, an organization for 17 years. At that time, I realized that the tremendous scope of deception and misinformation out there regarding the purpose and destiny of human beings. And and this organization, well, helped me see that. Unfortunately, they also taught another huge deception, which was to come under the law of the old covenant again. Right. So after 17 years of being with them and actually convinced for a time that they were correct, uh, I saw that they weren't correct, and I had been right. And so... I left that organization and began a uh, what turned out to be, a, I guess, a five-year search for uh, something that would seem more true, and probably, you know, keeping the things that uh, were what I saw as right and discarding those things that were wrong, and trying to find an organization that that would satisfy those those needs. So I ended up uh, running into a gentleman by the name of Anthony Buzzard reading his material for a time and then coming into fellowship with the General Conference Church of God and began to make friends and affiliate with them the rest of the story after that. Would you be uncomfortable telling us the name of the other organization? The other organization was the Worldwide Church of God. You just didn't mention it. I wasn't sure if you were uncomfortable. Not really. Based on your story, I mean, you've been a scattered brother in yourself, somebody who's wandered and tried to find the truth. That's a good way of putting it, yeah. 
yeah, I feel an affinity toward anybody who's um, who's out there looking. You know, I guess we call ourselves truth seekers sometimes. That journey can go on for for years. And once I I came to be convinced about what we call the biblical Unitarian position, at that particular point in time, I, I wasn't sure. I didn't know about the various flavors of that that were out there. All I knew was that uh, there were very few of us apparently out here west of the Missouri River uh, that at least were in established churches that I knew about. Right. And was there a church in your area? Um, There was a church three and a half hours away uh, in Wenatchee. At the time, I lived in Olympia, and Wenatchee is now my home, but at that time, it wasn't. There was an established church there, but that's it. Uh, there was also a small group that was meeting in a home about an hour or so away from Olympia, and I met with them. Once I found them, I met with them for a time as well. It didn't seem right to me. I, I didn't believe that that could be possibly be true, that there were only just you know, a handful here and a handful there. That's kind of what started me on this journey of searching for others. Right. And it's it's a difficult place to be, right? I mean, you study your way out of the mainstream of Christianity, and you kind of scratch your head to say, well, God, if this is really true, surely I'm not the only one to see it. And where is everybody? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You feel a bit, little bit like Elijah, you know. You're you're the only one, and then uh, you're hoping that God will say, no, there's actually, you know, quite a number of others, uh, 7,000 others out there just like you. So that's kind of the next leg of my journey was to to find out if there were others out there. You know, there, and of course, as I said, I, I affiliated a lot with the Church of God at first there for, for a couple of years, and um, their churches were primarily east of the Missouri River, and and, and there are only five on the west side. My knowledge of the extent of biblical Unitarian people was limited at that time to those in the Church of God, so it just seemed to me that there had to be more out here. Is this then the inspiration for starting the Scattered Brethren Network? It was. I, I just started it for my own curiosity, really, and I didn't want to be alone. You know, when I had been in the Worldwide Church of God, we had, you know, hundreds of, I don't know what the worldwide attendance was, probably 100,000 or so, and plus there were a lot of other, there were other groups like us that were smaller, but we, you know, we had a congregation of 350 people uh, in Olympia. I was really hungry for fellowship in our community, so I, I wanted to first see how many there were in my immediate geographical area. And then, of course, I wondered about the Pacific Northwest. And uh, then I became curious about the the entire west side of the U.S. In fact, when I first started this, back in about 2006, I think it was, I called it not the Worldwide Scattered Brethren Network, but the Pacific Northwest. Ah, yes. After just a short period of time, it became evident that I, I got request after request from all parts of the United States as well as overseas that I make efforts to to locate people in their neck of the woods too. 
so I just said, well, okay, let's let's go for it. So I called it the Worldwide Scatter Brethren Network, and that's what it's uh, been ever since. Well, talk a little bit about it. How does it work? Uh, how does somebody get on there? I mean, well, let's well, give the let me give the website first. It's scatteredbrethren.org, and then you can click on regions, which gives you these different regions: the Northwest, the Southwest, the Midwest, the Southeast, and the Northeast, and the Mid Atlantic regions. Then you have a link for Canada, and then other international. Right. There's a lot of good work being done um, by people like yourself, Sean. And Anthony Buzzard and uh, J. Dan Gill and um, oh, I, several other people too who are out there doing great evangelism. My part in that is real simple: is that those who respond to to the work uh, like what you do, and, but don't necessarily maybe connect with you, uh, don't follow up with you maybe, or don't follow up with Anthony, end up getting a hold of me. I'm a resource, really, for you guys, uh, and and for and for people who are interested in your ministry. Um, when they get to the point where they want to fellowship with others in their area, they seem to find their way to me, whether directly to my website, or maybe through your ministry, or through a Restoration Fellowships ministry, or somebody else. They're directed toward me because. It just so happens through the years I've amassed a pretty good sized database, although I think that it could be and should be, and I hope it will be, you know, 10 times and more than it is now. It's really not uh, sufficient. Uh, I'm not busy enough yet. Um, I'm hoping for the day that um, this gospel gets out even more broadly and, and more people are looking for fellowship. But what they need to do is just get in touch with me. Uh, my my uh, email address is on the site. First, go to the go to the website and uh, look under your region where you live. See if there are any cities towns near you, and if they are, then email me and let me know that you'd like to hook up with anybody in this or that city, and then I'll send their contact information um, to you. It's really it's really that easy. What if there's not a town near you listed? Then what? Well, then, um, no matter whether there is one or there isn't one, um, what I do is is take that person's name that uh, who's making the inquiry, and I add them to the database, and uh, with the hopes that soon there will be somebody that um, asks to be connected with that individual. Okay, so these are people that are scattered around the United States primarily, but also other countries that are biblical Unitarians and don't have a local fellowship or church to attend. Right. And these are only those who are requesting fellowship. There, I'm sure there's five times, ten times more out there who are on that journey and have either arrived or are getting close to arriving to where we are at, but... They just haven't. They haven't gotten to the point yet where they're actually looking for fellowship. So they don't go on my database at all until they're looking for fellowship. Yeah, you are the one connecting people to people, and I just want to say that for my years of working with you, that I've certainly appreciated this work 
that you've had a heart to do this work because when I started seeing it happen, I, I was overwhelmed. And uh, this was back when I first started Christian monotheism, which uh, was in the early 2000s somewhere. And yeah. I started getting all these people emailing in. They're like, oh, I live in Idaho. Uh, I live in Wisconsin. Can you tell me where there's a local congregation? And I'm just like, who do you think I am? Like, how would I? I'm not God. How do I know what's over there? And, uh, you know, it just kind of became apparent that there needed to be some sort of person who could keep track of things. And, and really, I just love your vision and how you've been faithful over these years to build this and connect people together, because this is such, I mean, think about it. If you're all by yourself, that sense of loneliness and isolation, but if you even just have one other person, and maybe you don't have any kind of official meeting, you just meet up and have lunch on a Saturday once a month or something. Right. And you break open the Bibles and you read them together and, and you, you've got a, a, a sister or a brother in arms and just the encouragement that only just one other person can bring to somebody's life to stand fast. I mean, it's just huge. Next question here. How many, what are the criteria for someone to get listed on the Scattered Brethren? I mean, they can't just say to you, hey, I'd like to be listed, right? I mean, you have to meet right. some sort of criteria, right? Well, yeah, the, um, posted uh, on the homepage of, this, of my site, uh, there are six articles, I guess, of faith, you might say, that I, I put into play early on in about 2006 when I started this, and it was really it was really casting a wide net, as it turns out. For example, um, what I have listed there is God is only one person, not a Trinity. Uh, Jesus is the Son of God, and so forth. Holy Spirit's not a person. Uh, for the gospel concerns primarily the coming kingdom of God of this earth and things having to do with um, the new covenant being established in his blood, uh, how he'll resurrect the saints to immortality in the kingdom of God. People don't go to heaven when they die. Uh, and finally, that old covenant laws, including laws pertaining to clean and unclean foods and holidays are not prerequisites of fellowship in the new covenant church of God. Uh, if people agree with those things, then I work with them. Now, I don't have a form that they have to fill out and prove it to me. Um, I presume, in most cases, I presume that they have read that and they at least can agree with those few points and, and do agree with them. And then I, then I go to work for them. Um, I, I'm sure that th th there have been some quote-unquote, violations of this, but I think probably in the main, very few. For example, when I say casting a wide net, point number two, Jesus has a God just like we do. Jesus is our Savior, soon-coming King, High Priest. According to the Bible, he was miraculously begotten and has been raised from the dead. Okay, so, um, you know, there are people who consider themselves biblically Unitarians um, who are of the Aryan persuasion, and uh, like, for example, the Jehovah Witnesses, and they believe that they don't believe Jesus is God, but they do believe he pre-existed his human existence. Now, when I first started this, I, I really didn't consider that that would be a possibility right. um, in, in, a, in a biblical Unitarian. Even though I don't believe that, 
even though I don't think most people who come in contact with me and my site do, uh, still I do get, I think, some Aryans who, uh, and, and I don't, again, I don't ask the question. It turns out this is one of those areas where it shows that I casted a pretty wide net when I first started it, yeah. and I haven't done anything to narrow that. Yeah, I mean, there are lots of other beliefs that, outside of these six, that people would differ on. Uh, take, for example, speaking in tongues, yes or no, or faith in miraculous healing, or... Um, Personal devil, for example. Yeah, the devil. I mean, there's all kinds of other things that, that could be on this list, but I think the beauty of the list is that it is minimalistic, and it, and it can bring in more more folks. And I believe, too, that it's good to have dialogue across party lines and denominational lines. And your average Jehovah's Witness is not ever going to... First of all, they're not allowed to look at websites like this anyhow. So I don't think you're going to have to worry about them. Uh, right. But an ex-Jehovah's Witness, now they are starting to search the Internet, and they're like, well, hold on a second... Maybe there's somebody else or some other groups that I can have fellowship with that are not part of the authoritative watchtower organization, and maybe then I can associate with them. And they might still hold to, say, the blood transfusion principle, that taking a blood transfusion is considered partaking of uh, the blood, uh, which is forbidden in Acts 15. So then... You know, if you made that as a rule on here, okay, you can't you can't be against blood transfusions to be in our list. Right. And that person would never be able to join up with others and then have enough commonality to then let their guard down enough to consider these other sort of like secondary and tertiary type issues. I mean, would you say overall it's been a beneficial approach or that you regret having opened the door so wide? No, I, not at all. I don't see how you can really, in fact, um, maybe initially I started to have those feelings, but as I've gone through my, my ministry, and especially since I've become a pastor of a congregation, I've come to experience what it's like, uh, not, not by me, but by some, who make these massive lists of criteria <laughs> that end up being tests of fellowship. Right, right. The 50-point uh, so, statement of yeah. faith, if you fail one, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so you turn them away practically at the door, and you don't get a chance to even discuss and talk about uh, things that they might um, actually come to see and, and recognize uh, that they could could have been wrong on something. And um, you've just destroyed that opportunity when you when you close that that too tightly. So as a subsequent to that, I am actually um, glad that I've kept it that way. Um, there's a lot of good work being done out there by various biblical Unitarian organizations, and I uh, I may vehemently disagree with some of the points that they have, but. There are some basics that we seem to all agree on, and my hope is that there would be some way that we could all get together and begin dialoguing about these things and get some of our best minds and our, our best teachers and uh, to, to put their heads together in, 
in the in the way that Jesus said to do it. I mean, he said, "This is the new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you." And that's he's directed that inward. That that's in house. And I'm sure he gave that new commandment because um, he knew that after he was gone, there's going to be some disagreements. And if we were going to ever be able to work our way through them, we were going to have to do it out of love and respect and with the fruits of his spirit working. Do you happen to know how many countries you have on here? A couple of years ago, I divested myself from the... European continent. Uh, there was another fellow, you probably know Werner Bartle. Uh-huh. He, he had amassed a, a good list of European believers. And so I, I sent him everything I had because we were having some trouble uh, keeping track of, um, I was letting some people in, I guess you might say, who were very old covenant oriented. And they were getting in and starting to wreak havoc ah. on some of the folks who were getting together over there under Werner. And uh, so I gave him everything I had. And then I I got to thinking, oh, you know, I really shouldn't have just, I should have kept a backup file on that. So I sort of started over now and decided, well, I'm going to just keep sharing this. I'll just keep a backup database. But um, so I can't really... I can't really say right now. I mean, there's a lot of people from Africa. Um, the Kenyan work uh, that is going real strong right now because of the efforts of Joe and Rebecca Martin and others actually started with one individual back in about early on in Scattered Brethren, one individual, and uh, now it's it's hundreds. It's, yeah. It's scores of pastors over there, and they've they've got an organization actually. So, Scattered Brethren was involved in a, in a little bit of the start of that, mm-hmm. which is fun to think about. Well, that's gratifying. I mean, you're seeing yeah. the fruit of the labor. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's not fun to voluntarily keep track of all these little pieces of information, you know. But yes, uh, it's there is... it's kind of lackluster in some ways. I mean, all you get all you do is connect people. And then you sort of step back and let them take it from there. Yeah. Well, could you share a couple of stories about folks that made great connections, like uh, the Kenya one? Any others come to mind? Well, I know there have been two to six or more people that have connected together. I can't think of who, but I can tell you that a couple of things. Uh, one is that the congreg- I started a congregation here in the Pacific Northwest in 2013, as a result of of my list, I I noticed that that there were certain geographical locations in the United States that had a larger groups of people forming on the list than than other places, and and one of those was here in the Pacific Northwest where I live. So so I said, well, let's let's get something going. So we we got a congregation going in 2013. We've had probably about Oh, we served probably about 125, 30 people through those years. We probably had, at one time when we were meeting in several locations, we met with about 50 different families every month. And they were so spread out um, that we had to meet in different locations. And sometimes you know, there'd be 
200 miles separating the northernmost person and the southernmost person. Wow. And, and so we'd meet in a northern location once, we'd meet in a southern location once a month, and then in the middle once a month. And when we did that, we got some crossover, which was great, because some would come to more than one location during the month. And um, But then after a while, that sort of uh, mellowed out and we ended up with just meeting in one location uh, twice a month now. We've done that for a couple couple of years. And where is this? Is this the Olympia location? It's in Olympia. We okay. rent a hall. we rent a hall there, and we probably have twenty to thirty people that show up on a Sunday, and uh, that's doesn't sound like many, but when you consider that they have to drive, some of them drive uh, two hours one way to get there. Yeah, from forty five minutes to two hours just to get there one way. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, that congregation started as a result of the list, and then, um, for example, we met. Uh, we had a meeting of people on the list in Dallas, Fort Worth area uh, earlier this year, and uh, we met with about um, twenty different families on the list, and ended up with twelve families who decided that they did want to start a local fellowship. In oh, nice. Dallas area, and uh, so that that's um, we did the same thing with about a handful in Oklahoma City, uh, and we have other cities in the United States who also have two or three dozen people who are interested in fellowship. So I want to get there, and I want to try to establish small fellowships in in some of those areas. It's tough, though there there are challenges <laughs> to that. Yeah, I mean, definitely. But that's thrilling. I mean, this is really the, the modern church planting method, right? Where you, uh, we, we've got this internet evangelism that's already happening, and that is a real team effort with so many different people with their websites, YouTube channels, Facebook groups, mm-hmm. blogs, podcasts. I mean, all these different avenues, websites, and traditional books as well. And it's, it's, it's created like a web that those who are searching for one god resources or information about the kingdom of god or a lot of just regular bible teaching that they're they're able to to find and then make connections between these different things and they bounce around a little bit and then they end up with you <laughs> and yeah. uh, a lot of times you give people hope even if you can't like give them a the answer they necessarily want. Oh, there's a church five minutes down the road. Okay, you're usually not saying that, but right. at least you're giving them hope. It's like, all right, well, let me take your name, let me take your location, and I'll let you know if somebody else reaches out from that same area. And uh, so I think that's that's really great. Yeah, I, I, I consider myself to be a helper uh, to the ministries of evangelism that are, uh, that are on the net and uh, various other social media, um, like yourself, lots of good work being done out there. And I'm, I'm just joining myself at the hip with people like yourself, Sean, and trying to help out where, where I can. Probably the biggest challenge we've, we need to overcome, there's some organizations that are, that are doing it better than others. Uh, and that is uh, to either locate local leadership that are at least willing to uh, start and maintain a fellowship in a given area. And if they don't have 
necessarily the say the biblical background, maybe maybe the, maybe the schooling. If they don't feel they're adept enough to do teaching, and then then we need to get good at providing resources, uh, digital resources, satellite resources to these groups, so that we can take the burden off the burden of leadership off of them, and and help them with with those teaching the teaching component because there are a lot of folks out there who want to have a fellowship they, they tell me let's let's go let's do this but I can't find I can't locate anybody who in the area who's willing to take on the project because it's one thing to get it started but it's quite another to keep it going yeah and uh, so if you can't find the leadership there it seems to me that there needs to be an ability by a by a central office, whether that's you know Living Hope International Ministries or whether it's the Church of God, or whoever it is, there has to be that ability to to help them from afar. Have you ever heard of the Virtual Fellowship for Isolated Believers? That's John Truitt's online a Zoom conferencing uh, meeting. Yeah. Now, how many people can he accommodate? Probably around twenty or so. At a time, but I mean, the, the point is less about John's ability to facilitate as it is about people to use this technology, which is not expensive, and be able to hook up with others so that they are able to have online community, even mm-hmm. if they are separated. Because obviously, John, you know, I think he does like three a week or something. He's got a full time job apart from this, so I mean. He's already probably maxed out, but yeah, yeah. I could I could certainly say that he would love to meet with anybody who wants to start one of these and uh, sure. just give him some pointers and tell him how he's done it and you know make sure they get the technology working and stuff. And I think in the past we've had this too, right? Hasn't uh, Carl done some of some of this? The guy uh, Carl out of uh, Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. There have been people um, linking up in uh, Britain with folks here in. Uh, in the states, with Carl, and uh, it's included people you know in Connecticut, Montana, yep, Florida, yeah. you know, Great Britain. This has been done, and it's a great way to do it. Uh, my focus has been lately, at least, has been because uh, it's hard to do it all. <laughs> it's hard to think of, of it all and be focused on everything. But has been uh, well, what do you do when you have twelve to thirty people in one location? In one area, one city, which we have, and what do you do with them when they don't have a pastor, or they don't have anybody even like a pastor or a teacher? Uh, they want to meet, they want to get together, they want to do it regularly, they want to do it two to four times a month on Sunday, but they don't feel they've got the skill set to do that in in the group. So. For example, the circles that I travel with uh, in the Church of God, I, I believe the Church of God is is talking very seriously about being more dedicated and committed to bringing their resources and the gifts of their pastors and ministers to bear on a satellite kind of vir- uh, virtual church arrangements. Uh-huh. And wh- what would that look like? I don't exactly know. I think it would look... In my simplistic way of thinking, you might have a TV guide, 
you know, some kind of a channel guide, so to speak, that a congregation could have and say, well, here's, here are the various ministries that are streaming. You know, these guys stream on Sunday morning. You're on the West Coast, so uh, you could stream live into uh, the Tempe, Arizona congregation, or it may be if you're, what's that called when you're like mountain time or something like that, it, you know, you could you could stream into Gatesville, Texas, or if you're in New York, you could stream into Living Hope, or and you'd give them these choices, and so as a group, they could decide, they could look around, they have a big screen TV, uh, smart TV in their, in their meeting place, Let's say if it's somebody's home, you set up a, a smart TV, a big 60-inch, and the group sits around that on a Sunday morning. Or maybe they even get sophisticated enough to get together midweek and they stream into somebody's Bible study. You know, I don't have all the answers, but there's gifted people out there that could help these folks out until they get to the point where they can sort of you know, take care of themselves. Yeah, this is this is really an interesting idea. We do have this t- in our area in New York. We have some folks that will um, watch our Sunday service, which we uh, live stream, and they'll have a gathering of a number of folks there around the TV, and um, that's that's what they're doing for church. You know, and it's an interesting hybrid because you have the the real fellowship sense because there are other people there with you. You're not just like sitting alone in your bed or something. Right. Um, but you're also watching from a distance, you know, and I, I, it's interesting too, because life church is, is becoming the biggest church in America. And this is kind of like their model where everybody watches the, the head honcho. No, you know, they don't actually have sermons. It's just like the, the main guy, Craig Rochelle and, you know, everybody watches him, but they gather in one location and watch it on a big screen. So uh-huh. it's, it's, it's interesting. But then they have live music, so that's that's a difference. Yes. Yes. Yeah. See, when I was with Worldwide Church of God, we had satellite transmission at that time to all parts of the parts of the world. And of course, sometimes these time zones. <laughs> and so not everybody could watch it live. Um, because it would just be out of the question, and you'd be asleep and be in the middle of the night. But um, for a lot of folks, they could uh, various times they could watch what was happening at headquarters live, and and I think that we need to uh, be more like that because the movement, you know, as you know, is growing, and, and that's great. But right now, there just aren't enough people to sustain brick and mortar. Right. Well, it's very expensive. Yeah, this this seems to be the way to go, and um, I'm hoping that um, that we can overcome some of these, at least in the Church of God, that we can overcome some of these challenges of uh, of leadership and um, get a little bit better at doing the things that you're doing, Sean. There, with with satellite groups. Yep, yep. Well, uh, let me ask you about the future of the Scatter Brethren Network. I mean, where do you see this going down the down the road here? What, what I'd like to see, and what I hope happens, is that um, more and more people find the site and request fellowship. 
there becomes more opportunities. I'd like to become busier at, you know, flying to a city and, and meeting, doing meet and greets with folks and seeing if we can't start congregations. So I see the scattered brethren list as a tool, uh, the first step in being able to um, actually uh, start local groups. And, you know, it, I, I think it's going to take five times, ten times as many people as currently having the database there. But the movement is growing, I think, at such a pace that I don't see that. I see that as a real possibility. Uh, but then, you know, at the same time, there are a lot of genres of biblical Unitarians out there, as we, as we already talked about. Yeah. And I think that we need to start having some meaningful dialogue, because really what we're going to end up doing in the long run is sharing our lists of people. That people are going to come to my site. They're going to come to Spirit and Truth Fellowship site. They're going to go to John Truitt's site. They're you know, going to end up your site. All these people looking desperately to find fellowship. We all have a piece of the puzzle, you might say. The growing of the movement is necessitating leadership to come together and start serious dialogue and see if we can't Nobody wants to compromise. I'm not suggesting we compromise what we believe in, but work through some of these issues to see if we can get closer. Yeah, the first step would be dialogue. I mean, yeah. wouldn't it be so incredible? This reminds me of Ken Westby and his heroic tendency to bring in an opposition speaker at his events, which was at the same time courageous and annoying. <laughs> because you know we didn't really want to hear the other side but it, I, I guess he just had ken just had this idea this like well we just need to not get too complacent here because the other side does need to be heard and i think they're wrong but let's let's see if we can interact a little bit and um you know there is that spirit of hey let's not be afraid of the truth instead let's compare your truth to my truth and compare that to the bible and and see how things line up I mean, it's amazing over the course of my own spiritual development and education, especially early on, I didn't even know the categories. I didn't even know what stuff was called, much less what the options under each of them was. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just like, oh, you're one of those people. Oh, yes. you're, if you're not with me, you're against me. And it was just, it was just childish, you know? And, it's, and it ends up being not very helpful of an approach, whereas maybe developing as part of the Scattered Brother Network a um, template that people could put in wh where they stand on various issues. And I don't know if that would help or hurt, but uh, that might be something helpful down the line, you know, once we start getting uh, so many folks connected that we're, we're worried about these things more. But uh, let me ask yeah. you this. I'm just looking at the site. I mean, it, it looks like the kind of website that's very basic. Uh, would you like somebody to to help out at, in the design area of this? Yeah, you bet. I haven't done a thing with it. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'm 66, Sean. I, I just don't. I can't. My brain doesn't do all those things very well. I could use any help people would be willing to give. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a facelift on the site, and uh, instead of having everyone email you directly, having an an email form on there where they can fill out a, f a few little pieces of information. They can check a box that says, I agree to these six points or whatever. And mm. um, 
then uh, you know they hit the send button. And so anyhow, if you, dear listeners, are good at websites or graphic design, and you would you would be blessed to help Brother Robin here, uh, get in contact with him, uh, or you can get get in contact with me, either one. But his his email I'll put in the show notes for this episode. But it's Robin sings for you with the number four and then just the single letter U at Comcast.net. Again, I'll put that uh, on the website, restitutio.org, but also in the show notes. So I would love to see this this site kind of modernized a little bit, Robin, and uh, that more people would link to it. So if you're out there and you've got your own website, do you have a link to the Worldwide Scattered Brother Network? Because if not, why not? There you go. That's a big thing too, Robin, because if we want people to find – this uh, scatterbrethren.org, there needs to be enough people linking to it so that Google says, oh, that's a, that's a decent website because nobody's going to link to a junk website. So if, yeah. if you have a bunch of people linking to it, then it's going to rise up in the, in the rankings and more and more yeah. people will be able to find it. So Help. that's just a couple Help. of little things. What's that? Help me, please. <laughs> Somebody. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a worthy cause. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally a worthy cause. I mean, because on the the very most basic level, we're talking about people having more encouragement, more support, more just fellowship. Uh, On the other end of the equation, you have people who are just simply not going to stand unless they have others around them supporting them. I mean, it takes a lot to, let's say, go to some mainline evangelical church and sit there and listen to them sing to the Trinity, and you, what do you just like go quiet at those parts, and then you go home, and and you know, I mean, it's it's a difficult thing, and I, and I I'm not judging anybody who 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 does that, but it's like to see this thing grow. I think it's a truth whose time has come, and here yeah. in the uh, the early part of the 21st century, I mean, this thing is blowing up. There, there are so many folks all over the, the world, not just the English-speaking world either, all over the Asian world, all over Africa, all, all over Europe with the work of Werner Bartle. And we could put a link to Werner Bartle. If you're in Europe and you want to get in touch with him, he's a great guy. We can put the link out there so that you can get in touch with him if you don't find something on the Scattered Brethren website. So I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about this, Robin. I'm optimistic about the future. Yeah, me too. There's a lot going on, and, and um, as you say, people are looking for fellowship, and um, the, they're not finding it. I think that's sad, and um, I think most people want it. There is a knee-jerk reaction of people coming out of, quote-unquote, organized religion. Uh, for a while, they don't want to get involved in what they see might be organized Religion, I usually tell people, well, we're pretty unorganized, so I uh, <laughs> wouldn't worry about it too much. <laughs> and uh, eventually they, they do see that uh, and uh, can't stand it anymore. They want to have some fellowship, so we need to be there for them when that happens. Absolutely. Well, is there anything else you'd like to say by way of conclusion? We need to focus on uh, the digital uh, social media um, community and um, way of doing things and figure out um, how we can open up dialogue between uh, various groups out there. I think when we do that, those things, that we'll be helping people. So, All right. Well, thanks so much for talking with Th- me today. Thank you, Sean. Talk to you again. 
That's it for this interview. Thanks for tuning in. I have a number of links that you may be interested in, especially if you want to get connected with other believers in your area. The first is the Worldwide Scattered Brethren Network itself, which is just scatteredbrethren.org, as well as Robin's email address, Robin Sings for You, and that's Robin Sings, the number four, and then the letter U at Comcast.net. We didn't talk about this, but Robin is also a singer, a uh, Christian singer, so that's why he has that email address. Also, if you want to get in touch with Werner Bottel in um, in Europe, I forget where he is, uh, Austria, Österreich, uh, you can get a hold of him at redaktion at filmreif.at, R-E-D-A-K-T-I-O-N, redaktion, at filmreif, F-I-L-M-R-E-I-F dot A-T. And uh, both of those email addresses are in the show notes for this episode, as well as on restitudio.org under interview 41, the Scattered Brethren Network with Robin Todd. If you'd like to leave a comment on there, that would be great too, sharing any stories or input, and especially if you want to help with the website, because it could use a facelift and some more functionality would be great as well. So please let us know if you're able to do that. If you've already been in contact with Robin and you're just looking for some fellowship online, check out Interview 32, Virtual Fellowship for Isolated Believers with John Truitt, or tune into my own church's weekly live webcast, which is at just lhim.org slash webcast. And that's a Sundays from starting at 1030 Eastern Standard Time. That's it for today. We'll see you next time. And remember, the truth has nothing to fear.